0: Hi, I'm Debbie Levine. I'm the senior deputy editor for Radiology, and I'm here today talking with Dr. Connie Lehman. She and her colleagues at the University of Washington School of Medicine and Department of Radiology and the Seattle Care, uh, the Seattle Cancer Care Alliance in Seattle, are speaking about a paper that's coming out in the August issue of Radiology entitled are qualitative assessments of background parenchymal enhancement, amount of fibroglandular tissue on MRI, and mammographic density associated with breast cancer risk. So, Dr. Lehman, welcome. Thank you. So, uh, first, I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about what you and your group did and what you found?
1: We were really interested in something that we had noticed on breast MRIs that we were interpreting in our clinic. And there's a lot of variation in how much enhancement of breast tissue we see on breast MRI. We had lots of questions whether or not, like breast density, this might influence how good the test is in finding cancers. And we also wondered if it might help us predict risk in patients. So we designed a study to address that question.
0: And um, you ended up looking at women who had cancer and then matching them. Um, Can you Talk a little bit about what specifically you ended up with as far as your patient population and your results. Yes, we went
1: to a very large database that is linked to a, a tumor registry that gave us the ability to look at lots of women that had undergone screening MRI at the Seattle Cancer Care Alliance. And um, we had were able to follow them to see which ones developed cancer after that screening MRI and which ones didn't. We selected those women. There were 23 that developed breast cancer. And we matched those. So we used a case control design. We matched those to women that were similar, except they never developed breast cancer. So by that case control design, we could then assess whether or not there seemed to be differences in the patients that ended up developing breast cancer versus those that didn't.
0: And so you ended up with 23 women in each group, which even though you started out with a huge number, obviously those that end up getting cancer are going to be a much smaller percentage of that. And interestingly, uh, you found out that women with mild, moderate, or marked uh, background parenchymal enhancement were nine times more likely to have breast cancer. And I'm I'm wondering, um, looking at these for the enhancement pattern, that was a qualitative assessment that you had people do at the time of imaging. Um, Is this something that can be computerized for more standardized assessment, or is this qualitative assessment good enough, do you think? We are
1: very excited about the approaches being used to try to be more quantitative. Whether we're talking about breast density on a mammogram or uh, breast parenchymal enhancement on an MRI, we tend to have studies where we have very subjective qualitative assessments. We we look at the mammogram and we put it into one of four categories of breast density, or we look at our MRI and following ACR-BIRADS lexicon terms, we use one of four categories of the breast parental enhancement. Is there none to minimal? Is it mild? Is it moderate or marked? But that's somewhat subjective. There's some fabulous techniques and tools that are being developed to try to be more objective in this. And our prediction is that that would make us even better at assigning risk to patients based on this feature.
0: And so, you when you find it in mild, moderate, or marked, and you clump those groups together, was that something you were planning on doing ahead of time, um, or were your small subject numbers such that you had to combine groups to end up with results like what you found?
1: Um, we had planned to do that in advance. We first we found that if we just compared, you know the. The four groups, not doing the, um, the breaking into two large groups, but across the four groups, there was a significant difference across the four. But what was the most pronounced was separating the groups into none or minimal parenchymal enhancement versus the other three groups. And that's where we found this really pretty striking ninefold increase in risk in those women who were in any of the parenchymal enhancement categories outside
0: of none or minimal. And then an additional analysis that you did was looking at whether that parenchymal enhancement was central or peripheral. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about that, why you thought that might make a difference and why you think your findings were what they were.
1: Well, we, we, um, we love the ability in academic medicine to be able to observe things in the clinic and then ask and address that question in our clinical databases. And many of us across the country and around the world that were doing screening MRI would talk to each other about these different patterns we were seeing. Early on, those discussions helped us a lot in just recognizing patterns that were part of just normal breast tissue enhancement. It didn't mean it was cancer. It didn't need to be followed. It didn't need to be biopsied. It was just a normal pattern. And some of them were pretty striking. Two in particular that we had all been discussing was a pattern that's peripheral enhancement of the breast tissue and one that has more central enhancement. And we wondered if it's those patients with really dramatic central enhancement of you know, the bulk of the breast tissue rather than this rind or rim of enhancement around the outside that might be at high risk. We didn't find that in our study. So we have small numbers. We still think the different patterns might be interesting, uh, but we didn't find significant differences in our study. You know, it reminds me a little bit of um, the very early days of mammographic breast density and the wolf pattern. So not just how much breast tissue, but what is the pattern of it? And we were really having the same thinking around patterns of enhancement as well as amount. And again, this is where I think some of the really exciting computer programs that can assess both
0: amount and patterns could really be exciting for future research. And since you brought up breast density, how does this interact? Do you think that this is a subset of dense breasts or are we looking at something completely different? You know, they seem
1: really distinct. Uh, One thing that we'll notice in the clinic is we will have a patient come in with extremely dense breast tissue. And no parenchymal enhancement at all. And another woman might come in that has scattered fibroglandular density on the mammography, but every bit of that fibroglandular density is dramatically enhancing on the MRI. So they don't seem to to be the same thing. They really seem to be measuring different things. And and that intrigues us. Um, We also were really interested, and this is something that um, many of our patients and our referring providers Haven't been aware of that both our research and other studies prior to ours have shown that once you have a patient at high risk, if you have a patient who has a genetic mutation or a very strong family history, mammographic breast density doesn't confer additional risk. So there's no further discrimination of risk based on breast density. But parenchymal enhancement does. And we think that's important for patients, especially to understand because many of them become very anxious when they say, here I have a strong family history and I have dense breast tissue. Um, I sort of have a double whammy. We actually don't think the clinical research supports that. We think that once you're at high risk, it's really the enhancement, not the mammographic breast density that we should pay attention to.
0: And so do you think this is ready for prime time, Are your findings and those of others, such that when women have a breast MR, they should expect to hear about the parenchymal enhancement and use that for the future risk assessment?
1: I I don't think it's ready for prime time as far as patients making decisions about um, whether or not they with even a higher level of risk, they should make treatment decisions. So, for example, what kinds of decisions are women at high risk trying to make? Um, Some of them wonder if they're at very high risk, should they have prophylactic mastectomy? And they talk with their doctors about the pros and cons of that. Do I think that if a woman was at high risk and had marked parenchymal enhancement, that should push her toward mastectomy? I don't. I think the, the research is much too premature. Um, to have that mm. clinical application at this time. Um, other women are trying to decide whether or not they should have some kind of chemo prevention. Should they go on a tamoxifen or another type of, of agent that will reduce either their risk of a breast cancer or their risk of recurrence? Um, should they use parenchymal enhancement to influence that decision? I don't think it's ready for that either. What I do think it's ready for is very aggressive active um, research in larger patient populations. We're very excited to push that forward
0: rapidly. And I also think, you know, women who are in a high-risk category, a lot of times they get a breast MR and it looks okay or not okay or whatever, but then they think, okay, I've had my MR, I'm done. But right now, is the recommendation a yearly MR once you are put into one of these high-risk categories? Um, We do,
1: and the American Cancer Society supports supplemental MRI screening on an annual basis in patients who are at high risk, as defined by greater than 20% risk by a variety of models and and methods, but predominantly models that are based on um, a strong family history. So we do support supplemental MRI screening in patients that are truly at high risk. There's a lot of important research going on right now to clarify some of the groups of women where We don't have enough data to give them clear recommendations, and the American Cancer Society has been really terrific in giving us a list of these populations of women that they hope to have more information on. What about a woman with no family history but a personal history? What about the woman who has extremely dense breast tissue and has had a biopsy showing lobular carcinoma in situ? Um, There are other groups that we, we need more clinical evidence to be able to guide their best decision making with their doctors.
0: Excellent. And so one of the limitations that you mentioned in your study is that all of the women, by definition, had already had an MR of the breast, so were most likely at some increased risk. So you have a high-risk population that you're looking at. Do you think the associations that you found can be extended to low-risk populations?
1: You know, we don't know. It's such an interesting question. In fact, it would be interesting if we found high-risk patients it's parenchymal enhancement, not breast density. Low-risk average patients, it's density, not parenchymal enhancement. I mean, that we, we may be finding out more about what is it about these high-risk patients versus average-risk patients, but we don't know. We do have areas um, where women at lower risk are undergoing screening MRI. We don't support that. Um, we really follow and support the American Cancer Society recommendations, which are also supported by the Society of Breast Imaging and the American College of Radiology. But, uh, but there are women at average risk undergoing screening MRI. We're very excited about the Breast Cancer Surveillance Consortium database and the opportunities there to really address these compelling questions in a much larger group of women and a group of women that are at a really diverse level of risk.
0: And um, what about menstrual cycle and menopause? How does that affect the uh, background parenchymal enhancement issue?
1: That's also an area of active research. Certainly, we see trends. It's similar to breast density. We see trends that as women go through menopause um, and move from premenopausal to postmenopausal, the parenchymal enhancement tends to decline as breast density tends to decline. But it's not a black and white scenario. There's variation. Uh, We also see that there's some variation over the menstrual cycle, but not as much as was expected. Uh, Similar um, changes over the menstrual cycle with Mammographic breast density has been reported, but it's not as dramatic as we might think. What I'm really excited about is one thing that we notice when we have patients who have been undergoing routine MRI, um, perhaps they've had a personal history of breast cancer, they're diagnosed with breast cancer, and they undergo treatment. If they go on a um, hormonal agent that blocks estrogen receptors, such as a tamoxifen or other type of chemo prevention, hormonal agent we can see really dramatic impacts on the parenchymal enhancement in almost all the patients but interestingly not all of that them so i'm really interested in that what does that mean if we have a patient whose breast tissue seems resistant to chemo to standard chemo prevention strategies and what does it mean when we have a patient whose breast tissue is very sensitive I don't, I don't know if it's uh, warranted or not, but I know um, I certainly like it when I see patients who start their tamoxifen and they move from being a patient with marked parenchymal enhancement to none or minimal, that it, it it feels like there's really been an impact on that patient and her tissue.
0: Interesting. So usually at the end of a podcast, I ask what you and your group are doing, but as we were talking about before we started recording here, you're in the process of moving from Seattle to Boston, and uh, so you're leaving behind a known oncology database and cancer registry that you've worked with for quite a while. Uh, what are your own plans for ongoing research in Boston?
1: You know, I don't know if there is a more exciting time than, than right now in the area of breast cancer research and in overall um, imaging research and science. We have so many opportunities. I am... Beyond excited about this opportunity in Boston, and also so very excited about the work that will continue to be done in Seattle with one of the most fabulous teams um, anyone could ever work with. Uh, We also all feel that we're just expanding our community out. We've had such great examples of the community of scientists, whether it's through the American College of Radiology Imaging Network, um, the ISMRM, different groups where they really have international and national collaborations, and I think that Seattle-Boston uh, collaboration is going to stay really strong. I, um, with the the team that I'm joining in Boston and the MGH group, I just I, I couldn't be luckier or more excited about the future, and we've got a lot of important questions to address for our patients, and uh, we're we're ready to get started.
0: Well, that sounds great. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you in town. And thank you so much for your time today. All right, thank you.